live from State Street in the heart of Chicago. You are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvia, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. All right, happy Super Bowl to everyone. The Friday before the Super Bowl. Uh, that uh, obviously is a uh, big story today. Some fun stuff as we just did our uh, power rankings. Anything on your mind? And um, we obviously got the official good news. The official official. Word. Yeah, like it's been known for what now? Two days? Two, oh, yeah. Have we yeah. known for two? Uh, how do we kind of known for that? a while? Well, uh, I believe, and I and I believe it was two days ago that. Wasn't it? Was it the Sun Times that that that, that had it? And then yeah. I told you on Monday that I knew that the Devin Hester people yeah. felt good about it, and like they, they were told basically yeah, that that been he's told in for a while. Like You're they, just they don't to knock on the wraps. door anymore. I, I, I is this because they want them all at the NFL honors, so Probably. that way they they know they're all there. They knock on their doors at home. It looks like. That's if you see there's a video going around that the NFL put out of all of them being informed, but being informed in their own environments. Like Richard Dent was the one that 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 sent the car, made the call to Steve and Misty. So um, I believe that that Chris Carter visited Andre Johnson. So there is a video out there of different guys going to the different homes. But no, they don't do it in the hotel anymore. How do you feel about that? Like I like you- it. I was actually it brought me to tears a little bit. When you watch the response from some of these guys, like Andre, um, Andre Johnson was was very moved by it. Uh, Patrick Willis also was, I believe, Bryant Young was the one that told him at his house. So you like, even though it, it was scooped by, you know, don't you like to find out with a big announcement, or you're you're okay with it because you got some really good taped responses that they were able to get in the can for. Yeah the process of the show it's basically like finding out the oscar winners right. before the actual oscars go on the air yeah um but i saw i didn't see the video of it until after they'd been announced i saw it this that's m- what i'm th- yeah last night i think late last night or this morning i saw the video of them those guys finding out like they find out in advance right that's what i'm yeah, saying the players i'm yeah, saying I that don't... we because they had to do that yeah we found out ahead of time yeah. like the people didn't keep the secret, right. and I, I don't think the Pro Football Hall of Fame is happy with no, it. No, I don't think they are either. I don't mind. I mean, like to me, I, I actually prefer if I even get if I know a little bit earlier. I like watching these guys as they get told. So even though they get told a week or two in advance or whenever it is, to see the genuine response and how meaningful it is. And in the video with Devin, I believe it was Edrin, Edrin James. I forget who it was. I thought it was it Edrin I, James. I'm trying to. I, know I, I don't. Why? Because of the you? Someone. Well, and I saw and, and in his video. They always wanted to be a, a guy who's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like presenting. So. Edge, obviously, they both went to the U. Yeah, and he's and, in the Hall of Fame. And Devin's with his kids, and he tells his kids, you know, look, you set your mind to something, and you work hard, you can achieve. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of cool, if you like that stuff, it's it's pretty moving. So, um, yeah, I mean, I you, you I don't think there's anybody anymore that, that thinks the honors, the NFL honors show is actually 
when everyone is going to find out. They tell these guys this much earlier. Yeah. So the 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 big story is is that Devin goes in. Yeah. Um, and, and most of us, like, I understand how people feel about special teamers, but we always feel like there's levels to this and um, there should be the best of each position group. Well, they name all pros and pro bowlers for re- returners and kickers. I yeah. mean, yeah. they get those honors. I wouldn't I would expect that they would also be eligible to receive this honor. And I, I really believe that the Bears in 06 would not have gone to the Super Bowl if Devin Hester was not on that team. That he really changed that team. That, as great as they were, but that offense struggled. Yeah. They don't go to the, not just the touchdowns. Like, I think it's just too simple to just put the touchdowns in and say, well, he only had this many touchdowns. How many times did they not punt to Hester? How many times were yards shaved off because they were punting out of bounds and a bad punt happened? And Rex Grossman got to take over with 20 extra yards um, to to work with two last first downs that they had to pick up on a, on an offense that had its problems. Um, certainly that wasn't, um, I know that year they did well, but, but they he's needed the best all the I help ever, they needed. Yeah. He's the best I've ever seen do it. And I've seen plenty of them. I mean, Billy white shoes. Johnson was great. Mel gray was great. There were a lot of guys. I mean, when Dion was asked to do it, Dion was great. I have no problem with Devin taking his place in Canton at all. And then we always say you just can't measure. Analytics can't measure uh, momentum. When you when you get that kickoff, when you get that punt return, a big punt return, whether it's a touchdown or just a big punt return, you just you can flip a game. You could you could turn the way uh, you know a, a game is being played, and I, I think that that's the way the Bears sort of went those days. He was three time first team All Pro. He was a member of the NFL 2000s All-Decade team and the 2010s All-Decade team. Um, I have I, I, I am a huge advocate of Devin Hester being in the Hall of Fame. And I get how some people can you know suggest, hey, the quarterback's a more important position, the defensive end's a more important position. Doesn't mean I don't think there's a place for Devin Hester. I do believe there is a place. So Devin's in. Mongo, as we've known, he sh- uh, should have gotten in years and years ago. We knew that this was a matter of getting confirmed. He got the confirmation. We love Mongo. If you've listened to this radio station for years, Mongo's been a part of your life, not only as a guy who played on a Super Bowl championship team, not only as a guy who was a Hall of Fame player. If you're a big wrestling fan, you watched Mongo uh, as, as just such a, a big personality. And then obviously when he came back and was a part of our radio station for two decades... And um, he was unconventional in the way he was a broadcaster, but he was as big and bold and as generous of a guy. And, and as I posted yesterday, and we've always talked about, he was as big of a teddy bear as you'll ever meet deep down. I can no longer say one thing about him now, though, because I have long suggested that he's one of the most underappreciated or underrated players in modern NFL history. Now he has taken his spot, rightfully so, in Canton. So he's no longer underappreciated or underrated. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure, for sure. And my only regret, and um, Thayer said it too, and that's the way I feel about um, Ron Santo, is two guys who were underappreciated for many, many years that, you know, Mongo didn't get inducted when he can... Enjoy walk yep. and and be strong enough to truly appreciate it to hug to do shots with his buddies 
to be Mongo, the way we all know Steve McMichael lived his life. Um, and, and like Thayer said, this is not a charity case. No. If you look at the numbers and you, you really see what he did, and if you study everything, you know that it wasn't. And, and the, the same thing with Sano. Like, it took too many years. And, and, and Sano passed away before he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Steve McMichael had 95 sacks from the defensive tackle position. Prior to Aaron Donald's eclipsing the 100-sack mark, and Aaron Donald will be a first-ballot Hall of Famer as a pure defensive tackle, there's only two guys that have more sacks who played only defensive tackle, and it was John Randall and Warren Sapp, and then it's Steve at 95 sacks. I don't know how that didn't qualify him as a Hall of Famer years ago. Yeah. I don't get it. No, And, and, and it's probably you know a, a residual. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Look, you're on a, on a team where you've got Hampton, you've got Dent, and you've got Singletary already in the Hall of Fame. And that's not an excuse, in my opinion, for voters to shy away from voting for him. I could argue that, you know, he was the third, you know, or maybe even the second most deserving of going in. Rich deserved to go in. You know, before anyone, I believe. Sure. And then Ham and, and, and Mongo at the same time. And then Steve or and then then Singletary. They all deserve to be in. I just found it odd that that Steve was the odd man out. And he was the one who was paying the price for having such a great group around him. Right. And and, and the glamour position was Singletary. The networks built and nothing against Samurai Mike. But if you lived and watched as a Bears fan like I did, Yurko talks about this all the time, the, the cameras focused that 85 defense, those 80 defenses, on Singletary's eyes. And they're, watch Singletary. Watch him flow to the ball. The reason he can flow to the ball is because what Mongo was doing. All, all the people that Hampton and Mongo and the other guys uh, on that defensive line, they were taking everything up, and he could flow to the football and make those tackles. He was the guy who was yelling. He was the guy who was over the top. So he was getting all the network love back in the day. Yeah. And, and, and it and, was Steve taking on all the double and triple yes. teams, providing an open shot for Mike to make plays. And again, it's not, it's not a vote against Mike. No, it's a vote no. for Steve, I, I guarantee if you go back in time and you talk to some of the best offensive coordinators, whether, you know, whether it was Bill Walsh or whoever it was Andy Reid, whoever it was, when you were game planning for the Chicago Bears defense, you probably were looking at Rich first and then Ham and, 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 and McMichael. Those guys were well ahead on your priority list than anyone behind you. Yeah. 312-332-3776. Go ahead, Meller. Yeah, I love Mongo and you know, I was I was like four years old during nineteen eighty five, so I have no real living memory of that season. I've gone back and watched a lot of the games, but for me, Mongo really did carry over the legend of those great Bears defenses because he played longer as a member of the Bears than some of those all-time greats because their careers were winding down. And what I love is like some stats. So Mongo played 191 consecutive games for the Bears. That was a record and still is, I think, for most consecutive games played by a Bear. And then he also, twice in his career, led the Bears in tackles for a season. Which is crazy. From a defensive defensive tackle position. I mean... By the, the way, like was his record broken by Patrick Manley yes. eventually? Yes. 
consecutive games well, or more, or more most, games played? I think most, most games, games played, played by a bear. But yeah, he's. I think he's. I think his consecutive game streak still stands for it's the crazy. Bears. One hundred and ninety-one from the defensive tackle position, and that doesn't count the twelve playoff games. I believe he played as well. It, it was unbelievable, and maybe if things were measured like they are now, analytically, like by Pro Football Talk. I mean, Pro Football Focus and some of these other. They grade higher than any of them. Yes, exactly. That that's my point. Like. The way we watched football back in the day through the eyes of, of Singletary, yeah. like maybe it would have been. And, and Singletary, like you said, it's not a mark against Singletary. It's just the glamour of the way it was done in the 80s. And again, it's the greatest defense of all time. So to have three guys from that defense is not that big of a deal. What, what's, what's wrong with having three guys? Uh, and then there's Peppers. I asked when, when um, at the end of the, the podcast today that we did um, Crosstalk Unhinged uh, you didn't hear this question this is a good question for you too Meller I didn't hear it because my internet went out yeah, yeah you had some internet issues who had the better Bears career not who's the better player okay because Peppers is in the Hall of Fame they both played for four years here Peppers or Khalil Mack when he was here. Well, Khalil won Defensive Player of the Year here, didn't he? Was he? I think he, he was second. second. And I believe Peppers in 10 was third in Defensive Player of the Year. I, 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 I think I did this quickly. I got to double check. I think for the sack numbers, I think Peppers had 37 sacks here. 37 and a half. And then I think Khalil Mack had like 36 or somewhere around there. I think they're very close. Yeah, Mack had 36. You know, like I remember my initial Mac thought is better or more clearly. Yeah, but you know, and, and he was part, part of it was his personality because Pep was kind of soft spoken. It wasn't like you know. So it was Mac. Mac was soft spoken. Yeah, no, no, but like he had Peppers was running with Erlacher and Briggs, and so he didn't get his and Peanut, and he didn't get as much of the attention. So he kind of went under the radar a little bit more. But I think you know, but Cleo Mac was was the guy on that defense. But I think. Over the four years, I thought Peppers that that four year stretch, look, thinking of the defense as a whole as well. I think Peppers' career was a little more impactful than Max with the Bears. Eight sacks, eleven sacks, eleven and a half, seven. Like I think they're both similar. Um, I think Mac was banged up maybe a little bit more than Peppers. I think Peppers was a little more reliable. I think yeah. some people complained that Peppers didn't still sack guys as much as they would have liked, but again. I thought the pressures were always there. I thought uh, uh, Mac pressured guys when he played. Mac uh, played eleven less games. Yeah, there you as go. As a bear, so yeah, he only played what seven games in his final season here. So I think that's a really good question. Who is more impactful? And and maybe it's just because Peppers played more games. Was it was it Peppers or Mac? They both played four years in a Bears uniform. Three three two three seven seven six, and then. I think maybe, and if the Bears have a new quarterback, and any way you cut it, even if they bring back Justin, um, maybe they get four preseason games, especially coming out of the preseason that they played last year and they didn't go hard in training camp. Um, with three guys who were former Bears going to Canton, maybe the Bears get the Hall of Fame game. This is what's been talked about. Maybe they get the first preseason game, the extra preseason game, meaning you go to camp a week earlier than most teams, and that would be something that I think is important for this team. Yeah, I agree. 
I don't know how they look at it. I mean, they're going to London as well. I don't know if that factors it. I'd love to see them on Hard Knocks. I, I wanted them mm-hmm. to be on Hard Knocks last year. My hope is is not only do they go to Canton for the Hall of Fame game, but they're also the, the focal point of Hard Knocks. That would be the Jets package. Yeah. The Jets win. I don't want how the Jets season you know, no, unfolded. Because but. of the quarterback injury. But the Jets were in the Hall of Fame game, and the Jets were on Hard Knocks. Three three two three seven seven six. Shane is in Roselle. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Shane? Gentlemen, how are we doing? Happy Super Bowl weekend. You too. Uh, I'm calling about Devin Hester. You know, I, I grew up in the Hester years. I'm big, big, big fan. Huge Bears fan. Um, but I'm not. I just want to play devil's advocate here, I guess, with why he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Um, we brought him in as a DB. Came in as a DB. Failed at that. Moved him to receiver. Failed at that. Now, I get it. He's the greatest returner of all time. I 100% agree. Then you got to stop right there. That's all you well, need to on. know. Hold on. Who was the greatest returner of all time before him, and why wasn't he in the Hall of Fame? That I'm not sure of, but I would give him, I would give him my vote to go in as the greatest returner that I've seen. And see, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say no because I, 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 I'm a big fan. But Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no, I am. I'm a huge Bears fan. <laughs> frustrated, frustrated with the current regime. One Caleb Williams want to get rid of Fields, but a huge fan. Um, but I, I just don't understand why the greatest returner before him wasn't in the Hall of Fame. Then, if we're going to put returners in the Hall of Fame, uh, like I, I don't think the gr- the returner before him made the impact on the offense. And I'm not saying as a receiver. I'm saying setting up the offense the way Devin Hester did. You had to game plan for Devin Hester each and every week when you played him. He was like, I I made the comparison if you live through the era. When Devin, it used to be an excuse to go to the fridge when it was a punt. You would go to the fridge, you'd go to the bathroom, and you would just, for whatever happened on the punt, it would just happen. When Devin Hester, to me, reminded me of when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire used to come up to bat in the great home run chase of 98. You, never, you would hold your breath. You would never know what would happen. It would energize that crowd when Devin Hester would go back for a kick return, for a punt return. It was, it was immeasurable what he meant to the team in not only return yards, but in momentum and in just the game plan in general. I, they may, Shane. They may go back and and view that that portion of 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 the NFL differently too. I don't think anyone going forward is going to get in because there are so many, so few kicks that are returned, kickoffs that are returned. But maybe they go back and they acknowledge different guys. I'm not sure. I don't know that they will or they won't. Well, Brian Mitchell, is well, Brian Mitchell, Mitchell in the Hall of Fame? I don't believe he is. No, I don't think he made the impact yeah, that Devin think he did. though. Sylvie. Sylvie, during the Hester years, you went to the fridge when the offense was on the field instead. That's probably true. <laughs> that, that, that's probably true. I mean, look, I, he was put in what, what the problem, Shane, with him on offense. I don't blame Hester. No, I, he blame, I, I blame the Bears. He got put in a bad spot. And, like, Jerry Angelo was a very good GM. Jerry Angelo never should have made him the number one wide receiver. He would, have, he would have been a great three, and if you would have equipped Jay in the offense with other receivers and would have made him the, uh, the third and the guy that you moved all over the football field and you got the ball to him in open space, and then he make him work, we would have had something. Maybe. I don't know if you ever would have got it offensively. 
I mean, he still, what did he have? He had, a, did he have a year with like 700 yards? Again, never a number one, not even a number two. But in today's offense, you don't think if Andy Reid worked with Devin Hester, they would have found a way to scheme Devin Hester? I think well, his... we're, talking, we're talking Andy, we're talking Andy Reid. I don't think we ever had an offensive mind like no, that in my life. And that's, that's our problem. That's, that's I, I think his he had 57 receptions one season for 757 yards and three touchdowns. He had 16 touchdowns in his career receiving. No, and, and again, I, I don't, again, he was a DB who was forced to play wide receiver to get him on the field more. But I don't believe the Bears ever did him justice in the position they put him in as a wide receiver. No, I agree. So. I have no problem with Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame. In fact, if I'd had a vote and I don't, I would have voted for him. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number if you want to weigh in. Um, uh, the phones are, are hopping today on this Super Bowl Sunday. Want to put the, get into the quarterback stuff um, as well. There's some good uh, sound coming out of the Super Bowl with a lot of great takes. It's, it's really incredible in Super Bowl week. That this isn't a local story. This is the number one NFL story besides the Super Bowl. Like, outside of the two teams playing, what everyone is talking about in Vegas is the Caleb Williams-Justin Fields story. We'll play some of the sound coming out of Vegas next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Made it to your weekend. Hope your day is going great on this Friday. Waddle and Sylvie on State Street. 50-something degrees? Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's going away. Yeah, it is February, but we will, we will take Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. 52 degrees up north. What is it down here in the 57 right now? Wow. I, uh, Tracy was in studio with us yesterday as Captain Me a Favor, and thank you to him so I could get to my son's uh, concerts yesterday. How did he do? They did great. I mean, um, Braxton was the one who really wanted me to go, and he just, he, he was into it. They they sang all American songs. I think it was for um, for President's Day and President's nice. Week next week. Did they do Yankee Doodle Dandy? Yep. Oh man! And but he was just marching, and it was about thirty minutes for their class. It was second and fourth graders did co shows. This first, the second graders, then the fourth graders. And the, the the grand old flag and the way he was wa- waving that flag. I know, like, I didn't think he'd be so into singing and performing, but boy. He's a he, patriot. He, yes, he is. He was into that. So, um, but Tracy was in yesterday, and, and she said even next week when it does get colder, it ju- it's just basically going down to normal. Yeah. Going down to the mid-30s or low-30s, That's we'll take it's what, that. That's what you get in February. You, you tear down a, another calendar day, and you get closer to spring. Did she say anything about any precipitation on the way? Any snow in no, the future? No, just Good. maybe flurry, she said, like on Sunday or Monday, but nothing of note, Good. which is great. She said we could use the uh, precipitation. No, we couldn't. <laughs> maybe she can. I can't. Yeah. Uh, so I want to play a couple of these, and then uh, some people want to weigh in. 312 332 Three seven seven six. By the way, uh, I, Tyler, I forgot to mention during the break. Reach out to Wilbon. He wants to know a time after four fifteen. Have you done that? 
Um, so You'd like to vent? He wants to vent about the Bulls, and I'd like to vent about the Bulls a little bit. It's a football Friday. It's the last football Friday we have of the year, so we're going to focus on that. But really, it's it it's something. They're focusing on being competitive over there. Well, what competitive? Yeah. What's competitive? Well, sitting in the ninth seed in the East. What are you talking about? It, like, man, if that's competitive. This is who they've been for three years. That's not the competitive that I grew up knowing about being competitive. That's not Michael Jordan competitive. One playoff win since 2017. That's not John Paxson competitive. No. That's not even John Paxson competitive. Um, So here's here's some samplings, all right? Door one, door two, door three. We'll play a Black or Abdallah game here. Door one, door two, door three. Any soup involved? No, Nate, that's okay. their bit. Super oh, okay. Bowl Super Bowl week, where Abdallah yeah. pays or gets the company to pay for his soup. There is pizza in there, but I didn't see any soup. Door one, door two, door three. Door two. All right, so this is Merrill Hodge, your former teammate, correct? Yeah, I play with Merrill, yeah. I like Merrill Hodge Merrill as an analyst. It, 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 I think he does a great job. He is a very hard-working analyst. He has hit some home runs. Like, he was all over Johnny Manziel being a bust. Uh, he's got a very good track record of now he's not spot on everywhere, but he has a good track record for the most part at evaluating players coming into the draft. And nobody would tie a better knot on no, their no tie. tie. Big, big knot. Big, big knot, knot guy. guy. Yeah. This is from the NBC Sports Chicago show. What is the title of that show? I saw Lawrence hosting yesterday and I saw uh is it jo- is it Josh Schrock? Yes, Josh Schrock. Josh Schrock has done a great job uh, on Radio Row, or he's doing it for TV. He had some great interviews yesterday. Uh, I guess the show first ran before the Bulls game, and the, I watched it after the Bulls postgame show. This is where I saw all this stuff yesterday. And, and two of these interviews are from their show yesterday. A tip of the cap to them on NBC Sports Chicago. So this was Merrill Hodge with Schrock. And he's talking about Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields. He is not a believer in Caleb Williams. No, he is not. I've only watched Caleb Williams three games last year, three this year. So I'm only halfway done, okay? The one thing that I that is clear, he is not special. He is not something unique like a Patrick Mahomes. And I hope the Bears don't think, well, let's 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 try to make up for our mistake when we pass up Patrick Mahomes and go get the Patrick Mahomes. The kid is not Patrick Mahomes. Ain't even remotely close to that. It is unfair to Justin Fields. He has had new coordinator, new coordinator, new coordinator. There's no possible way you can know about your guy when you do that. It's the worst thing that can happen to any player, especially a quarterback. Now, when Justin came out, the one thing that I thought he had – he had just an inexperience. He just needed more experience. He lacked that. But what I have seen in Justin Fields, from my evaluation, there's enough growth and hope there that I would not lose. I would not let him go because I see enough there. So Merrill Hodge, put him down for keep Justin Fields. Trade down. I believe Merrill was also very high on C.J. Stroud last year. Okay. Over Good Brock. track record. Yeah, I believe he liked Mitch, though. Uh and uh, I believe he was also a Zach. He, he thought that Zach Wilson was going to be a decent player. All these guys are not going to be perfect. No, Just of like course general not. managers of course are now. not. Right. This is a very difficult. It's very hard to project how guys are going to translate in the NFL after playing in the NCAA. I would say this, though. I mean, look, I think 
think Justin played two full seasons, didn't he, as a starter with, with two, Ohio yeah, State? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to well, suggest was it, was it too full because one was a COVID year, yes? Was it a COVID season? Yes. Uh, the second year was a COVID year. Okay, so let me see how many college games he played. I think the first year was that full year they went to the playoffs, and then the second year the Big Ten didn't want to play. He petitioned the Big Ten to play, and I want to say it was a six-game regular season, and they went to the championship game. I know he had a 40-touchdown season in one of the years at Ohio State. Not sure exactly how many seasons he played, but what's behind door number... Uh... So uh, Let me play Kurt Warner, okay. then, door number one, because this also is from that same show on NBC Sports You're Chicago right. with Josh Schrock. He played 14 games in 19 and 8 games in 20-20, so... So six in the regular, or maybe, what, maybe it was five in the regular season, the Big Ten Championship, and then in two postseason games? Probably so, yeah. B. Clemson? Yeah, so he didn't have a ton of college experience. Had a great game against Clemson, he correct? Did. Yes, did lose- I think he was hurt, too, in that yes. game and played through an injury. Did they lose to Georgia or Bama in the championship game? That, I don't, uh, that I'm not 100% sure of. Here's Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner is on the opposite end of Merrill Hodge. So, again, you get different takes. These are the, the beauty about this, guys... Is again, like, because I don't, like, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not a football evaluator. That's why I think it's so interesting to hear all these different perspectives. Um, all three of these, they all have a different perspective. Um, door one, door two, door three. Kurt Warner, guy who analyzes a bunch of tape, a guy who was an undrafted player um, and is a really good analyst um, on the fields versus Caleb Williams debate. They are weighing in tough decisions. The only thing that I'll say is when you get to the point where we're at in this league with quarterbacks and what you have to pay him and what that means for your organization, you better know that he's the guy. That, that to me, is really where teams get in trouble. No, not that guy. Maybe he will be in three years, but he's not right now, so they pay him. And I think the thing with Justin, for me, is he hasn't shown me he's that guy. Doesn't mean he's not talented. Doesn't mean he can't be great in a franchise quarterback. But when you have three years and you don't, you don't take out the doubt to go, he's our guy. I think you have to move on. I, I think you have to. You can't just go pay that guy fifty million in hopes that those glimpses you saw will turn into greatness. And it, it may be unfortunate because some of these guys play too early. They're not ready yet. Yet their next step or their next contract is going to be determined by it. But that's all we can go on. If you played for three years. You have to prove to me you're that guy, especially, and again, we have to put in the elements of they got the number one pick. Like, it's not just as if they got the 23rd pick and they're going to go, oh, we're just going to go get another quarterback. You got the pick of the litter if you believe Caleb Williams might be that guy. So I think that's the unfortunate thing for Justin. But at the same time, he's had three years, not perfect situations, right? There's a lot of elements involved. But I just haven't seen the consistency of his play to go, I think he can get there. I'm not sure. And that being unsure to me leads to you got to go get the other number one pick and and move forward. Again, Josh Rock's interview on NBC Sports Chicago with Kurt Warner. Kind of the theory that Brian Urlacher expressed to us. If you're three years in and you don't know, then maybe you actually do know. 
Um, and by the way, Justin, they did lose to Alabama that year. You were right, 52-24. to 24. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that you're great. And those are two really informed guys. Merrill Hodge is really good at evaluating players coming into, this, into the league. And obviously, Kurt Warner does a fantastic job evaluating quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's the way I go. Like, that Justin is very talented, that Justin still may be very good. That that's kind of the the camp that I fall in is the way he summed it up. Not being a Justin hater, even though some will put me in that in in sort of that box. That's kind of the way. Just I feel about it. I heard there was a clip from Trey Wingo, our old friend, where he said, "If the Bears change out their quarterback again, they're just the Jets." And I would argue, how does that make them the Jets if they don't feel they have the right one? The Forty ers who are in the Super Bowl. I'd ask you this. How many quarterbacks have the 49ers had in the last five years? Oh. Seven years. Several. Okay. Yeah. So if they feel, as a good team even, that they don't have the right guy. You keep looking for the right you guy. You keep looking. You, good team, bad team. If you don't have the right guy, they still traded up a ton and they looked for the right guy. Trey Lance wasn't it. Cup eight. They moved on. It's the same. I feel the same way about people who say, well, we've never developed a quarterback here in Chicago. So what makes you think it's going to be any different going forward? Well, I would argue there are different people making the evaluations. And because you weren't able to do it seven years ago, doesn't mean you can't do it correctly this year. Yeah. And And you shouldn't stop trying. Right. And, And like he like Warner said. It's not like they have picked 19. Right. They've, they well, have won. That's what we have talked they, about yeah, for, for, for months. Yes. Was that this is a conversation because they find themselves with the first overall pick in a quote-unquote quarterback-rich draft. And by the way, it's the second year in a row they've had the opportunity to draft first overall if they choose to. Yeah, and they bypassed it last year. Here's Dan Orlovsky, door number three. Orlovsky doesn't want Justin, maybe. Doesn't he may take Justin, but in this case, he didn't go Justin, he didn't go Caleb, he went for somebody else. Orlovsky playing the Oppo game. I feel like I've been saying that for a year, Greeny. That, that don't lock in Caleb's is, Caleb Williams is the number one pick. I think Drake May, and I think Jaden Daniels is going to get into that conversation. Here's the thing in regards to Drake May. He's going to be remember or remind people of Big Ben. And if you're Washington sitting there going, what's well, going to cost us all this to go get up to number one? Do you want the guy that is six foot four, six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds, has played a gajillion snaps in college football, looks everything like all the big time quarterbacks that are stars in the NFL right now, and just scratching the surface? And the thing that I try to make sure everybody understands, Tim, you know this, is people are gonna say, well, the Bears or somebody can't take Drake May because of Mitchell Trubisky. Okay, Drake May went to North Carolina because of his family. He did not go to North Carolina because that was his best offer, which was a middle-of-the-pack ACC football team. Drake May could have gone to anywhere in the country. He went there because his family has ties in their history there. Greeny, the, 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 the flaw of his game is he's mechanically sloppy. You know who else was? Big Ben. You know who else was? Patrick Mahomes. You know who else was? Josh Allen. So with good coaching, this this young man's talent is is really untapped. I think Caleb's spectacular as well. And I think Jaden Daniels is going to have a chance to get into that conversation just as a pure passer. 
I'm open-minded. Yeah, the first person I heard speak that way was actually was was Tim Hasselbeck. I heard Tim talk about this a couple of days ago on Get Up before I heard I heard uh, Orlovsky mention as well. Nate Tice said this yeah. last week too. Yeah. Look, if if they deem him to be like a coin flip guy, and then they want to trade down, and they want to take it, and and Washington wants to come up for Caleb Williams. I don't care who is number one in the mocks. I care who's going to be the best quarterback out of this crop in three years from now. So, uh, uh, like we've always talked about, I want them to get it right. Mm-hmm. So if they deem that they believe Drake May is going to be the best guy in three years, fine. I, I won't rage if they dr- draft Drake May as their quarterback. I won't either. And, and I would say the same way I've talked about Caleb Williams, if they go through the entire process and they're convinced that Drake May is that guy – then you don't trade the pick. You use the first overall pick and you draft Drake May. What, what, what if Washington wants Caleb Williams at number How one? How do I know that's exactly who they want? I'm not going to mess around. If this is the guy I want, I'm not going to play any games. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to let. I, it, Can't you listen, say, sign on the dotted line. Exactly. Hey, right. Who are you taking? Who are you taking? Who are you ta- we, right. we agree to a deal. If you take so maybe they feel maybe they feel I'll take either team. We've got many more holes on our squad than you do in Chicago. Like if you're flipping a coin, don't you want to be the one calling heads or tails here? Don't you want to maximize value too? I think like like Yurko says, if the world thinks Caleb Williams the number one, but you are convinced that Drake May is number one, and you can maximize your value. Don't you also want to maximize the value? At, don't you want your cake and eat it too? But how, how do you know that? Oh, they could bait and switch you. Sign, sign a uh, sign a form. I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I mean, listen. I, I get in theory. <laughs> your point is very. I get it. But I wouldn't even I, look. If I'm convinced, I'm bad. I'm going to take him. That's who I'm going to take. You don't. I mean, maybe, maybe. Maybe Washington wants Drake May. Maybe they look at Drake May and say, Cliff Kingsbury, he runs this air raid offense. That's pretty much what they ran in North Carolina with Drake May. But if it's a coin flip and you trade down to two, then you're just getting whatever side of the coin you, but what you, if, you deem to be pretty even and you're getting value. I find it, it, it hard to believe you're going to look at this through every lens and, and come up to the come to yeah the hey tie no yeah. and if it's not a tie I'm going to use the pick on the guy I want okay three one two three three two three seven seven six three analysts three different viewpoints you're still going to get yelled at oh yeah I mean yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still yeah, going to be still a writer I'm going to write a letter to everybody open letter oh, guys no, no I said a so, rider oh, oh, not, I, I, yeah, oh, not oh, a writer oh not a writer it's oh, it's open Regardless, letter season yeah, you you laid out three different examples of three different opinions from three different analysts and you're still going to get blamed you yeah, know this of course um we'll take your calls and then Doug Kazarian at 4 with uh, all the prop bets and uh, a, a couple of years ago he knew something about the anthem what else does he know this year we'll hear from him at 4 Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Piss off. Brian Urlacher. Got some of that on your uh, on your uh, account yesterday, didn't you? Get some piss off. It, it was funny. I uh, I wrote for my column at uh, Shaw Media. I wrote an open letter to Caleb Williams. 
I don't know how many people actually read the column. But you know, in a most tweet, people don't spend the time to actually. They just read the headline or read the description. Yeah. What I did was tongue in cheek. I wrote it as an open letter describing, based on Colin Coward's thing, that that the Bears are not a good landing spot, and Washington is. I, I, I like I, I wrote that I believe the Bears are in fairly good shape considering what they've been and where they're going. You know how I feel that the Bears should have. Hired Jim Harbaugh, but yeah. all things considered, and I've told you, like, the the Rams were the last team who drafted a quarterback with a first overall pick with seven wins, and they were in the Super Bowl two years later. By the way, Shane Waldron was on that staff with Sean McVay as the passing game coordinator with um, Jared Goff, who was drafted number one overall. I made all these arguments. There have been significantly lesser teams with the first overall pick than this Bears team. But I got a lot. Like, the mentions are just crazy anytime you bring this stuff up. And, and like, this is weird. This is get off of his jock. And then you. And that's a lot of that's coming from people whose pictures on their their sites are all. They're Justin Fields pictures, right? Yes. Like, so if the, there's the, anybody the, the, that's riding anything, it right. would be others. The, yes. And then, it's that, kind it's, of odd. It's, it's, it's odd. It's odd that I wrote a column to just say the Bears are in a good shape. If they choose to take Caleb Williams number one, my point is, like, don't, don't, don't think Washington's better. This is a pretty good spot. Like, and if you want to debate that with me, fine. But when, when the people coming at me who are grown men, have pictures of Justin Fields. Um, is, there, is it an avatar? Oh, just all over oh, it. Yeah. And, they're at, and they're like Twitter handle is at H1M23554. Uh, but you're the, jo- yeah. the jock rider. Yes. Yeah. That doesn't it, make it, any it, sense. It, 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 but that that's the that's how, where we are as a... As Get Bears, off of Caleb's jock! That's where Wait a we, second, I gotta update my picture. I'm gonna go from that sliding picture of Justin against the 49ers yes. to him, you know, actually throwing a tutty to, to DJ Moore in the Detroit game. Give me a second. One here. guy with the winter is coming based on uh, Game of Thrones, yeah. but it's a picture of Justin Fields instead. You know, yeah, as one of the characters. You need to get off Caleb's but, but it's, jock. But it's me. You, you need to get off it's, Caleb's it's jock. It's hilarious. Quit jock riding over there. Yeah, I like it. It's bizarro world. It ain't going to change over the next several No, it's not. It's But but I just, look, I want to win. I want to win. I, like, I, I, I don't know what's worse is the people who defend Justin these days, sight unseen, or AK defending his Bulls teams. Is there anybody defending AK? No, AK defending his Bulls oh, teams. Oh, his teams, yeah, okay. Because yeah. they're both about the 20th yeah. best in the league. Right. AK's defending the 20th best team in the league, and uh, the Justin Fields fans are defending the 20th best quarterback in the league. We'll talk to Doug Kazarian next. <laughs>